This is the Complete Shooter Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Armistead and the founder of Complete Shooter himself, Kirk Miles. Complete Shooter is dedicated to helping young players reach the next level and achieve all of their basketball dreams. So if you want to know what it takes to be a great player at the high school, college, and professional level, you are in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of our Complete Shooter Podcast. I am here with Kirk Miles, as always, and we have a special guest today, Chase Potter, who is playing at the University of Utah Valley, right? I almost messed That's it up it, there. Yeah. Utah Valley, <laughs> I should have just read your shirt right there. Um, if he sounds familiar, we've had another Potter on here already. We had his younger brother, Ethan, um, on here a couple months ago now. It's crazy to think we've been doing it this long. Yeah. doesn't feel like it, but I'm um, excited to have him here and um, have his knowledge to, to share with all the youngsters. So um, welcome, Chase. We're glad to have you. Excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your basketball career so far. Okay. Uh, where to begin? Well, I've been playing basketball for forever. Basketball runs in my family, just like you talked about. I have a little brother. He's coming up to you, uh, Utah Valley, actually, after his mission to come join me and come play with me. But I've been playing forever. I played basketball late in high school. Uh, in high school, I've grown up, just played local AAU teams, local club teams all throughout. And then served a, a two-year mission in Orlando, Florida. Love the Orlando Magic because nice. of that basketball roots down there. <laughs> and came back last year and then just finished my first year at Utah Valley okay. this last year. Awesome. Cool. Um, so were you like actually playing or were you redshirting? I was redshirting, redshirting. this last cool. year. Yeah, I lost a lot of weight on my mission, so I had to put the, put on the weight back, get get all the yeah. mission legs out from under me. But yeah. um, so that's let's just start there because that's one thing that a lot of players don't think about is redshirting, right? Usually it's like, okay, well I'm gonna go play college here. As soon as I get there, I'm playing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is that experience like as far as being a redshirt? So it, it was a little bit different than I expected, but it was one of like the best decisions I feel like I've made for my basketball career, just because the jump from high school to division one basketball is a big jump the kids are a lot bigger a lot stronger a lot faster and especially coming off a mission you're not prepared for that like whatsoever and so it's basically just like a developmental year for me personally to get better but also to get my body prepared to play at the d1 level because like i said everyone's bigger everyone's faster i actually put on a good 20 25 pounds just of muscle this this last year i wish you guys could have a camera on the podcast to look (laughs) at it but (laughs) (laughs) no no i'm not that big but uh it it was just a great year especially in a division one program they have a lot of good resources we had a great weightlifting coach uh the workouts just being around that atmosphere was was super good for my development cool and did they focus much on nutrition with yeah. you guys? Yeah, we had a nutritionalist come in and talk to us a few times. It, it really is up to us what we want to do, but they did give us a lot of good ideas. They al- they had food uh, for us before practices, all that different kind of stuff we could get that was that was healthy so that we could maintain and stay up on nutrition because that is a big part as well as preparing you. Yeah. Body, so yeah. Well, so how in how involved with the team are you as a red shirt? Like, do you? go through the same practice stuff or is it kind of separate like you know when they go and do offensive schemes and practices like s- stuff like that are you separated from that as a red shirt or is it kind of just feel like you're normal player you just don't get to play in games yeah it, it's different in at every college just because i have some friends that redshirted at, at different uh college programs and everything uh but for us i felt very involved with the team uh during practices 
Uh, we'd run scout team a little bit, gotcha. but during all the drills, all all of the other stuff, we were a part of the team doing all the drills, lifting with the team, all that good stuff. So it felt good to to connect with those guys and not feel too alienated. I know yeah. all home games we did dress as well, so we were okay. on the bench. We dressed. Gotcha. Uh, just we didn't travel for away games. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, so you're talking about the the jump from high school to college, right? Um, what are the kind of some specifics there as far as what's different? Just like talking about style of play, like in the game, like when you're playing against those dudes, like what do you have to do different or what did you struggle with specifically when for you're trying to adjust? Yeah, yeah. For one, the biggest thing I had to, I had to get used, used to, which I didn't even think of, is everyone at the college level is a lot smarter and they take a lot more charges. Uh-huh. So there's a – I know with our team, at least this year, we we probably led the league with charges taken or drawn against us or whatever. Yeah. So we had a big emphasis on coming to two, just a two-foot jump stop because, I mean, in high school, not a lot of kids would slide underneath yeah. or whatever. So just a big emphasis on making sure we come to two two feet, come to a jump stop, and not just go barrel, barreling your way down the yeah. lane because that will end up as a charge nine times out of ten. People are just a lot more heads up and a lot smarter as well as bigger. So, I mean, when you come to two, you can – work on your floater game get a little floater game up because there's a lot of times 6 10 6 11 guys in the paint yeah but cool um yeah i think i mean a lot of times when we think about the jumps we think about the physical differences right yeah you know guys are a couple inches taller the amount of muscle they have is nuts right when you look yeah. at those nba <laughs> guys like crazy um but we don't think about like how much smarter you have to be to play in college as well right and part of that is because of the physical differences but huge differences there um, Kirk, do you have any thoughts on that as far as the, the IQ change that you need when you're going up the next level? Yeah, because you're, uh, you're now coming up against, you know, especially Division One basketball, you're just coming up against the best athletes. And like Chase was saying, you know, y- you, you go to the hole. Th- those guys close out faster. They fill the holes faster. Um, you think it's open, so you go, and then it's not because they're fast enough and quick enough to get there. And you don't, you're not used to that. You're used to, you know, maybe a little bit slower kind of thing in high school. And kids don't get in position quick enough. But I'll say this about Chase. You know, I've coached, uh, I coached a lot of AAU teams over the years. And Chase was the, the very best kid that I ever coached that could go to the hole and finish at the hole and so I'd put him I put him at the point guard and then we had great shooters so we filled you know we filled the spots with shooters and he would attack the basket and nobody I'm telling you nobody could get in front of him and stop him Uh, you know we went down to Vegas played a lot of really quick black kids and he still got to the hole and finished so it really was an advantage because we just spread out and let him have the ball, and if he could go all the way to the hole and finish, do it. Well, then they had to start, you know, double-teaming him to get yeah. him stopped, and they sagged, and then he'd kick the ball, and we had shooters out there, and we'd shoot and knock the shots down. And, you know, we, we went all the way to the quarterfinals. Um, so, you know, it was just, it's just fun to go against really, really good talent and then to be able to do what we did. So it was so fun uh, being able to coach him. And uh, he was very, very effective. The one thing he was, his weakness 
was his outside shooting because he relied on the drive so much because he could finish right. no matter what. And so that was his go-to yeah. move. Why shoot it? You can just yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a lot shorter, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Higher percentage shots, That's why right? Zion shot 60% this <laughs> That's year. Right. So. <laughs> no, then kids start sagging off you. Then all of a sudden you can't get to the hole. And so at the next level, you got to be a shooter. Yeah. So when he got back from his mission, we did, a, we did about a three-month uh, three months worth of lessons and just worked on shooting, 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 shooting. And his form, his form was not all that great. Come on. <laughs> and, now, and now his form, his form is, is so good compared to what it was. Uh, and so, you know, I just, I just see him now as a complete shooter. He can do it all. So that's, that's been fun to watch that, um, that evolution uh, happen. So it was fun. It was fun having him on our team, and he's he was just awesome to be around. He's got a he's got a just a incredible personality. Um, you know, some 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 girls going to be lucky to to get him. So if you're out there listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> little advertisement, little advertisement. Drop my phone number at the end of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not sure where to go from there, but we'll we'll make it work. <laughs> um, so, may have answered it already, but looking back at your career and specifically at like how you trained, mm-hmm. what would be something that you would change that you think would help you be an even better player today? Is there something else like you would have focused on more? For me, learning how to shoot know? earlier, yeah. mostly. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like I said, like I, I I was always able to get to the hole get to the rim super easy just with my quickness and my speed and all that but it made it it almost put a handicap on me sometimes because eventually teams start to figure out as you get to higher levels teams scout teams figure out each player's strengths and weaknesses and just like Kirk knew my strengths and my weaknesses that would come up on a scouting report yeah so when you get to the high school level you do notice that they have specific game plans for each player and so for me specifically, they'd probably sag off, which made it a little bit tougher to get to the hole. I still was able to, to do it some, yeah. but I feel like it did limit me a little bit in my high school career to the point where I could have been more, even more successful if I, if I would have developed that consistent jump shot from that earlier age. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like um, kind of seeing that with Giannis now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's obviously when you get the NBA, you're a different level and he can still get to the rim Mm -hmm. even when he's like triple team. But if he could have like just, you know, 30, 33 percent on his threes, like unstoppable. Right. Mm -hmm. So and that's why we talk all the time about being complete shooters and being able to score in every way. Right. Um, And one of my favorite things to to tell my kids that watch the NBA is like because when you watch the nba like you have these guys that are so specifically skilled at one thing right you have their kyle corvers that are just three-point shooters and that's it right you have your dunkers guys like that and then the best players are obviously all around complete shooters right um but once you get to the nba you kind of have a role set for yourself right and so Mm -hmm. i like to tell my kids about patrick beverly who you know when when you ask who's patrick beverly like what is he good at what do you say like defense scrappiness defense, all that right? stuff yeah right he gets paid millions of dollars to be annoying right <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true but that's true um he averaged almost 38 points a game in high school and i think he led the nation in scoring as a high schooler and so 
he had those skills, right? He was a complete shooter. And then once he got to the NBA, he kind of found his role and what he could do really, really well, right? But kind of at these lower levels as you're growing up, you don't want to get stuck in that one role, right? You want to be good at everything so that, again, we've talked about it before, whatever gets you on the floor, right? And then you can start to work on that other stuff, right? And so that's kind of a, I mean, good thing for you, right? You could always get to the basket, so you're always going to be on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. And now you can work on that other stuff without worrying about not making the team or not being able to play, right? So, um, anyways, that was a long tangent by me, but (laughs) any thoughts on that? I mean, I I think I even see that just at the college level as well. Our coaches always talk to us specifically about, like, doing what we do well and then improving our weaknesses, obviously. There's always still room to grow, but each player has a specific role that can get them on the court. Uh, we had a guy this last year that started for us, played about 30 minutes a game, but he only averaged like three points a game. Didn't score at all, but he, he didn't shoot at all, and he didn't need to. We had a phenomenal yeah. scores at the other four spots, and he had an assist-to-turnover ratio of like five to one. He just took care wow. of the ball, and that's what the coaches needed him to, needed him to do. I kind of see it almost as like that, that Patrick Beverly thing. Is yeah. He didn't step outside of his role. He did what he needed <coughs> to do, and he did it super well. He, at one point, he was actually leading the nation with like an eight to one assist to turnover ratio wow. for a while, which was really That's crazy. Incredible. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was able to, to play and do what he did was because he did what the coaches needed him to do and he did it well. So yeah. we're not always going to be the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry's right. launching up 30 points a game. But yeah, we all wish. But <laughs> yeah, and I was just watching um, just earlier today. I was watching a video about I'm um, a Japanese kid at IMG Academy where he came over and he was used to being the guy, right? And then he comes to IMG where there's all these great players. And he's like, so I had to kind of take, my role kind of came back and I didn't get to score as much, but he was still able to be a point guard and get assists. Mm -hmm. And now that those older kids are leaving, now he's starting to get to that scoring role, right? Where he's the guy again, right? And so, um, yeah, I guess, do you have any, like Chase, do you have any thoughts on like, kind of that change of roles like did your roles change as you were coming up different ages right different schools different coaches like what kind of roles did you play and kind of how did that play into your development as a player yeah uh with each team there's going to be a different dynamic with it just because you fit differently with a lot of different players each team has its strengths and, and its weaknesses but your goal as a team is to win uh what I look at specifically is going from like my sophomore to my junior and my senior year in high school. Cause growing up in AAU up until like eighth grade or whatever, I was always the guy yeah. in junior high, all that good stuff. Always the leading scorer, always the guy that could get to the rim super easy. And then when I hit my sophomore year, there was a, a few other guys that were a little bit better than me at that time. I was a little small, I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet. So yeah. it, was, it was a little <laughs> bit tougher, right? And so, I was still trying to be the man, right? Still trying to go in there and score all the points and and do all that stuff. But the problem was there's some dudes that that did it better. And so I didn't actually play like at all, even on my sophomore team as a sophomore, which was really frustrating and weird (laughs) for me, right? And so this was honestly, I can look at as almost like the turning point of my career for basketball because I reached the point where I started off playing a bunch at the beginning of the year, but then as I tried to do too much or, or whatever it was, the coaches just didn't see my potential, the minutes started to fade. 
and this is on the sophomore team. Like, yeah. this isn't even like this isn't <laughs> like big time varsity. varsity. Yeah. Like, this is sophomore basketball late in high school. And I reached the point where there were some games I was getting like one, two minutes a game, and I was getting super frustrated. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? And at that point, I figured, well, these guys are better than me. I, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. So I'm just gonna outwork them. I'm gonna accept my role currently as it is, so I can get more more playing time, just as as hustling, passing, whatever it might be. But I'm just going to outwork him so I can be the guy again. Because that was always my goal, to be the best basketball player I could be. So every day after practice, I'd actually stay after for two hours, an hour, two hours, whatever it might be, work with a trainer and just shoot, play, work on dribble moves, whatever it was. And then I could could physically see throughout the season. And then after that, just the big jump that I made. The coaches saw my body of work and were able to start trusting me more. And as I accepted my role and fit into it, then I, I got to blossom my junior, my senior year of high school yeah. and still maintain that work ethic of staying after and, and all that stuff. That's cool. That's awesome. It says a yeah. lot kind of about who you are, right? Yeah, I think, I think that that right there is a great point because uh, you hit some adversity, mm-hmm. you know, and adversity has a way of defining us. Right. It's going to define us because we accept it and then we go do something about it like you did. You said, I'm going to stay after. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to outwork these guys. So you got took on that adversity while another kid that might have hit that same adversity. He says to himself, well, basketball is not all that important to me. You know, I don't really like basketball. I used to love basketball, but I don't really like it anymore because he hit that adversity, but he doesn't want to work hard. He doesn't want to change his situation. So so I think those are defining moments, you know. I really do. So that's 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 a good part of your story, Chase, is that you hit that adversity and then you did something about it. And I love those stories. I love those stories. And so when you, like, made that decision, that, okay, I'm going to outwork all these kids, you said you were – it was during the season, right? Yeah. And you started to stay after. Yeah. So – I'm curious, did you have a thought like, okay, as soon as the season's over, I'm going to get to work and kill these dudes next year? Like, did you go through that and then realize why not start now? Or was it just automatically, I'm just going to start now? I don't I don't think that actually ever really crossed my mind. I, I've never liked to procrastinate stuff, especially yeah. regarding basketball. I always had like such a love for it as a kid that I was always out in the backyard shooting, playing with the neighborhood kids or whatever that any excuse to be in the gym more or any motivation or whatever it took to get in the gym, like I'd take it. And so it was almost just like a cause and effect thing. I saw that I wasn't playing, so I knew what I needed to do and I knew I needed to do it right away. And it it even paid off towards the end of the season. I remember the last two games of the season, I ended up playing most of the game and scored a decent amount of points in the the last two games. And I remember ending the season on a high note and that, I feel like that was just a, a small reward of what was to come. Yeah. Just a little bit of gratification uh, for the work that I'd already put in. Uh, but I know with a lot of people, that wasn't enough. Like, yeah. you can't just take one success and have that be enough. you got to continue to build those habits and continue to do that stuff even after you've already gotten there and maintain, maintain that path. Yeah. That's awesome. I, have a, I have a quick question off of that, oh Chase, and that is how did your parents – receive this this adversity that you were going into did what did your parents tell you how did they react to you getting no play in time 
they were always positive about it. Like, what kind of things did they say to you? Do you remember? Not like specific things that they said, but I just remember them always trying to be as positive as they could. Like I'd, I'd rant to them. I was always frustrated to them and I'd come at them. Uh, but they were always just really supporting. They, they obviously thought I should have been playing more like every parent thinks their yeah, kids should be playing more because they think they're all the all-stars of the world or whatever, which they are. But uh, I just remember being uh, them being super supportive and so just supporting my decision and to work harder. And they, they gave me the opportunities yeah. to work harder. My, I mean, I was a sophomore, so I wasn't 16 yet. I think at this point my mom would picking me up from practice. She'd come later. She was always there to take me to the gym, drive me back, pay for – lessons whatever it might be they're always whatever extra things yeah. you needed yeah they were just always to, there to support me yeah that, that's awesome because yeah. the reason i ask that question is a lot of times when kids aren't getting the playing time you know and they're frustrated the parents take the side of the kid mm -hmm. and then they start saying stuff like well your coach is an idiot he doesn't yeah. know what he's doing he doesn't know how to pick talent he, he he's an idiot and they'll say stuff like that. Well, then that makes it worse on the kid mm -hmm. because now the kid starts thinking that kind of stuff. What, what a parent should do is a parent should say, all right, hey, it's not what you want. Right now it's not what you want. So, Chase, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit and whine and cry or are you going to go fix it? Yeah. See, and that's what parents really need to do is, is to help kids to get better that way and how to handle adversity. Yeah. They're adults, they're older than you, they've been through more life. So they're the ones that are supposed to be, have a, you know, have be the voice of reason, yeah. right? And, so. and see, that's one lesson I feel like, I didn't learn specific, they didn't teach me specifically about basketball, but just in life in general, that kind of helped me to apply that. It was they always taught me how to work hard, but also they always taught me that when, when things aren't going well, that crying about it isn't going to do anything. Amen. You just yeah. really got to change what, what you're doing. And even if it is unfair, then just work harder and do better. I knew that would be the answer because I know your parents. Yeah. I, love, I love your parents. <laughs> they're, they're awesome people. And I knew that would be their, their answer and how they would approach that. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to bring that up because, you know, parents need to know how to handle those adversity moments when, what, when their kids have those moments and how to help them. Right. And being on their side isn't always the best help. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Um, so one thing I just thought of and I loved this part of our interview with Ethan was, I mean, every time he talked about or answered a question, it was always this person helped me in this area. Right? Yeah. So for you, um, I'm sure you could go the same way saying Ethan helped you with your basketball career, right? You know, he's the little brother. Right. Whether it's the one-on-one -on -one <laughs> games or competitiveness, whatever, yeah. but who are some of those people that helped you, um, on that basketball journey that you've taken so far? Yeah. Well, for one, for shooting, we've already talked about it. I owe that all to Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> Kirk's the man. Kirk is the man. My jump shot was pretty far behind my head. <laughs> my grandpa <laughs> used to always make fun of me. He actually coached at BYU in the 70s. Yeah, cool. uh, so he knows basketball really well. But he, he always gets on me. We're supposed to have like a U shape in our jump yeah. shot. And he used to always say I had like a V or a W shape, which <laughs> if you can imagine that, it looks pretty funky. <laughs> but for one, Kirk, for shooting, was always the biggest thing for me to take my game to the next level. Uh, so I got to thank him for that. 
Next up, I would probably say uh, the the main person I trained without through high school was Terry Tyson, just a an assistant coach yeah. over at the high school over there. I don't know if you know him. So yeah, my brother played at Leighton. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah. I know Terry. And yeah, he's the man. He he was actually always there to stay with me after practice, uh, play one on ones with me, work on a lot of my dribble moves, a lot of my yeah. finishing moves, which allowed me to be able to to finish at the rim so well. Uh, and then just my family, just for pro providing the opportunity and yeah. places to play, really. Like, they were always super supportive. I can't remember them ever turning me down on an opportunity to play. Always, they put a court in our backyard so we could play with all the neighborhood kids. I remember my yeah. dad coming out to play every night with some of uh, my friends. We used to have some good two-on-two -two matches with them. But that was what, is yeah. what I would say are the main people that helped me to get where I'm at today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can your dad play? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to think he can, but yeah. <laughs> well, for me, the older I get, the better I was. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it seems to be. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So I didn't get to play with my dad very much, um, but he did come play. Our old ward used to do 5:30 a.m. basketball, three days a week. Church ball champions. Just saying, hard work pays off. <laughs> But my dad came and played once, and it had been years since I had played with him. I played with him as a little kid, but it had been years since I played with him. He comes down the middle, starts turning around, backing down the middle, just flips it backwards over his head, didn't even look, <laughs> nailed it. Nothing but net. Like, the only shot I've seen him take in years. And that was, is a dad shot. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. But, um, anyways, yeah, but, yeah, awesome. so and I think that's – I mean, we hear all these cool stories about, like, Jimmy Butler being like not having a home and ending up in the NBA just because of how hard he works, right? Um, lots of lots of things like that. Like it is eventually up to the individual and how hard they work, right? Um, when like whatever amount of success you get, it's because of you and how hard you work. But there's always those supporting people that can make a huge difference in your development and especially in your character as well, right? I mean, having a coach who's willing to stay after for a couple hours is just, like, builds your confidence and, you know, really teaches you about what it's like to be a mentor and, um, you know, really help Yeah, that's priceless. Yeah. That's priceless. So um, I just always love hearing about those people that are kind of behind the scenes um, and helping, helping players get where they want to go. So really, really cool stories there. Um, so, I mean – I don't have much else like you got a great story right um looking forward to you playing at utah valley and after a red shirt year i'm sure you're a little more confident to go out there and kick some butt right oh heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it. what kind of what kind of goals have you set for yourself um to you know what what is it that as you look back on your basketball career when it's all over um what are you going to look – what is it that you want to look back and see that you accomplished? For one, I, I just want to be able to, to, when I look back at it, just to say I gave it everything that I could. Uh, and whatever facet that leads me to in playing basketball, whether it could be potentially playing professionally overseas or whatever that is, I want to be able to look back and say that I gave it my, my best effort. Uh, for one. And two, really – I mean, really, like, th that's it for me because the pieces will fall as they come. And as I, as I go, I just want to be able to, to work hard 
And whatever level I'm at, I want to be my best. So if I'm at Utah Valley, let's say I want I want to be able to to get time on the court and to play and to work my way up to be able to to be a guy that that contributes to a, a winning team. Uh, and same goes for any situation that I'm in. Yeah, success is where preparedness and opportunity meet. And so if you if you work hard and you always put forth your best foot and you're always putting the effort in and working on getting better, then when those opportunities come, you're going to be able to seize the day, seize that moment, because you've been preparing for that moment. Now it presents itself. Now you step in and, and, and take advantage of it. And I think that's about all you can do, all you can control, is how hard you work and how hard you prepare so that when opportunity presents itself, you take advantage of it. Then you're going to see the success that, that, you're, you know, that you've been desiring. So I think that's a good way to look at that is that you, know, you want to look back on it and know that you left it all on the floor, right? You left everything you had on the floor. So the only thing we got to do to help you make sure that happens is, you know, make sure you stay away from too many girls. <laughs> My dad used that to. That can be hard in I know. <laughs> I know. My dad used to always say girls are like gasoline and matches. Yeah. They don't mix. Sports <laughs> and girls is like gasoline and matches. Which one is which? They don't mix. <laughs> yeah. Which one's the match? Well, you're definitely the gasoline. <laughs> She's the match. She's the match. So that's awesome. I'm, just, I'm just teasing with you. But, you know, that is uh, sometimes people can get distracted by different things. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to just focus on what you want to accomplish. And, yeah. and that will all fall into place, too, yeah. that side of your life. Uh, that's so true and that actually takes me back to the first question i think or i don't know if it's the first question somewhere but in somewhere in there one of the beginning questions about just like the different the, the jump from yeah. high school to college just when kirk was talking about preparedness it kind of sparked a thought and just kind of helped me to see that one of the biggest jumps as well i was thinking of is just how much how mental basketball is like yeah. i know we were talking a lot about like the hard work and everything and the work i put on the court but just as important and equal to that is mental toughness and yeah. as well as mental preparation. Amen. Especially Amen. at the college game, there's so much film you got to watch. There's so many term yeah. terminology for different kinds of defenses, for different kind of coverages. That was different for me when I got to the college level. In high school, we had, what, one, two defenses. Right. Yeah. We had no pick coverage. It was just, oh, just switch. Kind of yeah. <laughs> got to do what you feel. If it's a good shooter, go over it. Yeah. It's a bad shooter, go under it. But there are so many different just a lot of different terminology for it and a lot of mental preparation that goes into it as well as making yourself mentally yeah. strong as well yeah. so that's that's just half the battle that's a great so. point great yeah, point i agree 100 percent with yeah. mental toughness yeah. it's the great separator yeah absolutely all right so to finish up here um kurt what is some what can young players learn from the story of chase potter well number one is that the adversity that he was able to overcome uh, because every player is going to have a time in their life where they hit that wall and they hit that adversity and so how are you gonna how are you gonna respond that's the key question so I think one of the biggest things that all young kids can learn from the Chase Potter story is that he hit the adversity but then he did something about it 
And uh, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He just said, I got to fight harder. I got to work harder. And, and he put the work in. And then it, opportunities presented themselves, and coaches started to get more trust in him, and, and voila, he had a great high school career. But he could have looked back on that and say, yeah, my coach, my, it was all, because I hear this from kids all the time. Did you play high school ball? No, it was too political. That's the thing you hear from everybody if yeah. they didn't play. It was too political. Well, if you're, it didn't matter if it's political or not. If you're really, really good, you're going to play, right? And so I think kids can learn, can learn that. The second thing that I think they can learn from Chase is that if you have a dream and, and you really want that dream to come true, then if you keep working towards that dream, uh, I know that when he got back from his mission, I was working with him. I, I was with him in, during that process. And, um, uh, you know, I had a coach there at UVU that I knew. I, I reached out to him. I told him about Chase. And then Chase had some people that also, you know, reached out and, and, and talked to uh, some people there. And, and so they didn't just jump all over Chase right off the bat, but he never quit. He never gave up. He kept, he kept that dream alive, and now, now he's living part of that dream. You know, as a red shirt, that's not the completion of his dream, <laughs> but it got his foot in the door, yep. and that's all you can ask for is to get your foot in the door, and then it's up to you after that. So, so I think those are the two main things, you know, uh, how to deal with adversity and keep the dream alive. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Chase, what advice do you have for young players? Just similar to uh, what Kirk mentioned, just work. Whenever you're frustrated about something, whatever it might be, whatever situation it is, no matter how unfair it might seem, is, is just work. We have a, you have a lot of opportunities, especially young kids do these days with teams you can play on, all that stuff. And where they're still young, there's a lot of time to improve. Because yep. if you say you spend an hour in the gym longer than w another kid every day, each year, that's almost like 365 hours extra of basketball practice you get. And think of it, what, how old are these kids? Say a kid's 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old right now. If they keep those habits, they'll succeed at any level they want to be at because they're putting in more, more work. I know there's a lot of talk about natural ability, talent, and all that stuff, but if, if you're willing to work hard, then you can achieve whatever basketball uh, goal that you have. But it's as long as the body of work that you put in matches your goals. So I know a lot of people have a lot of goals and aspirations, but you got to make sure your body of work ethic and all that is equal to the level that you want to play. Because like these NBA guys, they all work extremely yeah. hard harder than we probably even think and it's like if that's your goal then you got to be willing to make that sacrifice to go to that level and even beyond because some of those guys are really naturally gifted as well and if you want to make it there then you got to put in that work and then some to get there but that's, so just that's basically it. i don't know <laughs> just a quick question yeah. about that okay when you were a young kid how how many late and high basketball games did you go to I went to a few. I know I had a neighbor that played at Layton when they won the state championship in 2015. I went to some of their games, but but not a ton actually. Just yeah. just a few, handful. 
that's one of the ways that you, you know, every, to, to be successful, you got to have a vision, right? I mean, the scriptures say, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so you got to have, you got to have vision and how you build that vision is by watching games, going to the high school and, 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 and vision, having a vision of you being on the court, of you playing high school basketball or going to your, the college that you want to go to and, yeah. and watching that and having visions of you on the floor. And as you increase that vision and feed that vision, now your dream is going to become, become more, yeah. more relevant. What's the word? Revelant, not is it? Yeah, revelant. Some big word. Yeah. Relevant. 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 Thank yeah. you. And that, that's you. actually something that my grandpa instilled in me was having a goal and like working towards it. So actually, when I was a when I was a kid, I had a paper. My goal was always to play college basketball, right? And then right now, I'm being able to live that dream. At least in a sense, redshirting, I, I want to actually play. But uh, I had a paper up on wall on my wall that said I want to play college basketball. And then he had me write specific things I could do every day and milestones along the way that I could achieve awesome. to achieve that goal. Awesome. And so that was always written up on, I think it was in my closet, but it was a reminder each day that when I went into the closet, I said, I want to play college basketball. Oh, am I doing all of these things to get there? And it's just like you said, having that vision yep. of what you want to do. Yep. So I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I think you put it really well. Does your body of work yep. match your goals? That is key. Right. Yep. Super, right on. super key. Right on. Um, and then what's what's your quote, Kirk? Hard work beats talent. Yep. Talent fails to work hard. Fails to work hard, right? Yep. So. All day, every day. All yep. day. <laughs> All day, every day. Um, anyway, so this has been super awesome. Thanks for being here, Chase. Um, I think everybody listening can learn a lot from your story, even though it's not over yet, right? Yeah. Big things Still coming for making. you, so. Um, thanks for being here, though, and sharing all of that. Yeah, I appreciate so. it. Do you want yeah, me thanks, to get my Chase. phone number out now? I'm just <laughs> 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 no, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. He's an opportunist. <laughs> He's got what, dreams. What, <laughs> what I've learned is you'll find the right one when you're not looking for her. So. There's truth in that. <laughs> There's truth in that. So good luck with that. <laughs> but anyways, thanks Don't again. Worry. Thanks, Kirk, for being here as always. You betcha. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you're getting a lot out of this. Um, tune in again next week. Thanks.